Hey, welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality with Sydney DeLorean. That's me. And I have a very special guest here in the studio. How's it going, Zach? It's going good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. This is Zach Bird from the Bored and Sober podcast. Yep. Um, some old school listeners might remember me. It's been a while since I've been on. I don't remember the last episode. I don't either. I figure I was in such high demand that you figured give your listeners, leave them wanting more, but giving them less. I'm trying to drive traffic to your podcast. If <laughs> they want to listen to you, they can subscribe to Bored and Sober. There you go. Yeah, which is basically just this podcast, but I'm always a guest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot like that. It's a lot of DeLorean there, too. So Yeah, you got other people on there. I do. I do. The the episodes that aren't as good. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I can say that here. Go ahead. Well, we uh, watched a documentary while on vacation, and this documentary was called Holy Hell, and it we watched it on Netflix. Yeah. Because when we travel, we bring the Amazon Fire Stick so that we can watch all of our programs. It's the only way to travel, really. Yeah, don't go flipping through cable going, what's good? It's all Unsolved Mysteries, Forensic Files, and Golden Girls. And I'm not saying those shows aren't good. They are, but like you've seen every episode. Right. It's like it's a big mark against a place if they don't have access to an HDMI cable or something and they can't hook up to it, which has only happened a couple times. And it was devastating. It killed me. It was that $30 Motel 6 we stayed in. I was like, I paid $30. I expect (laughs) excellence. But because it was a $30 Motel 6 in the middle of nowhere, their TV was bolted to the wall. So you couldn't plug anything in. It was a little scary. But anyway. It was a hard time we suffered. Mm -hmm. Um, So Holy Hell is a 2016 documentary by this guy named Will Allen. And Will Allen was in the Buddha-filled cult for 22 years. I feel like I should have done vocal warm-ups because I haven't really spoken to anyone today. And now I'm stumbling over my my words as I try to get going. Yeah. Um, No comment. Well, you were talking for a while to Rob Love. And you uh, yelled at me for a while before. No, (laughs) she didn't yell at me. Yeah, but when I was talking to Rob Love, we weren't recording so i wasn't using my broadcasting voice uh-huh. i was using my normal voice uh, and it's different yeah you and should just always talk to me in your broadcast voice just uh, when we're at home you know well you already complained that i'm too loud so. <laughs> that's true that's true um so this documentary came out in 2016 uh this guy was in the Buddha field cult for 22 years, and he was a videographer uh, before getting recruited into the cult, and he ended up becoming their official videographer. So not only does he have 22 years of experience to speak on, but he has the footage to go along with yes. it, which is always a great time. Um, and the way he ended up in the cult was he his family was Catholic, and at age 22, they kicked him out for being gay. At least they let him stay till he finished college. Um, but so they kick him out. It's 1985. He's 22. They kick him out for being gay. And his sister invites him to check out this meditation group she's been going to for nine months. And he's like, I'm lost. I need a new family. Let me check it out. Um, what do you want to say about the vibe of the people 
before I get into the technicalities? It, it, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Wild Wild Country, right? Which you haven't seen, I don't think. But uh, no, but I, yeah, I, it's, I don't know. All of these cults, the people seem equally, they seem similar. Right? Well, I meant just because what delighted me about this is mm-hmm. that it was the 80s. And everyone in this cult oh, yeah. was really good looking. It reminded me of the commercials for Bally Total Fitness, which is where my parents used to work out. And then they'd put me in the, they had like a little kitty room to play in while they would go get their sweat on. Actually, you know what it was called back then? It was called Vic Tanny because you would do aerobics and also tan there because um, it was the 80s. And so all these people were very like 80s hot, 80s yeah. hot like spandex or whatever yeah you said it reminded you of like a like a 80s workout video or something a little bit yeah it very much was yeah the epitome of 80s workout culture so this meditation group it's led by this guy named michelle rostand and he was formerly known as jamie jaime 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 gomez Sometimes you just keep getting whiter with age. Um, So uh, he was the son of a wealthy Venezuelan cattle rancher, and he moved to Hollywood in the 60s to become a star. Um, He did have a non-speaking role in the 1968 movie Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. That's his claim to fame. Uh Um, He may have danced in the Oakland Ballet. We're not sure, but he definitely uh, did some adult films in his life before becoming a cult leader. Um, when I think of Oakland, I do not think ballet. Um, yeah, but Oakland has a, is, has a university up there that's a really well-respected arts university. Right, right. Um, so uh, so he at some point, he also becomes known as Andres. So I don't know if I should call him Andreas or... Michelle probably Michelle for for the first part yeah at least that I think he's mostly known throughout this documentary as, as Michelle, Michelle right um okay I mean it's what it's hard to tell and then he had his followers change their names so yeah. like at, at the bottom of the screen it would say the name of the person being interviewed and then they're like known as or mm-hmm. it's it, it was complicated um but he starts this cult in West Hollywood, hey yeah, in the 1980s. And in 1985, that's when Will Allen joins. And it was described, um, someone within the cult described it as a bunch of artistic hippies. And what attracted, attracted people to it is that they were really into helping each other out and helping people out. Um, the sort of thing like, oh, some, you know, the sink broke at your house we're gonna go replace it like just very community oriented and stuff and maybe in the sort of uh self-centered culture of the 80s that seemed refreshing yeah um everyone's doing coke and talking about their stocks and it's (laughs) like let's actually help each other yeah um and uh all of the people in this cult had really great teeth i made a note of It seemed important. Sydney makes a lot of notes about um, just people, how they look, but not in a way that I would think of. Like, it's always like, oh, my God, look at her skin. 
you know what I mean, baby. It's you pick out things that I don't think a lot of people would. Well, yeah, because I'm able to figure out what's off about it. Right. Like if someone is a different eyebrow wax away from being a 10, right. I'm not. Most people would look at her and be like, yeah, she's kind of pretty, but not super pretty. And probably stop there. Yeah. And I would go, oh, she just needs to change the arch of her eyebrow and move right. it a little bit out. And then she's gorgeous, you know? Yeah. Because um, I'm an artist and I know these things. Yeah. None of them apply to me because I'm a mess. Um, <laughs> but it's you don't see your face the same way you see other people. Right. Um, so you're beautiful, no matter what everyone else says. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not song lyrics at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the interesting things about this cult is one of their members invented a hair thing called wings. And I want to say it was like a banana clip because uh, they showed the commercial for it in the documentary. And if you don't know what a banana clip is, picture two combs connected, like their teeth are facing each other and there's a hinge at the bottom and it's kind of curved and you use it to comb your hair up. Like you put it at the back of your head and you comb the hair up and the teeth comb it together and then it clips. So instead of having a round ponytail, it's a straight line, if that makes any sense. Um, So that was this woman's claim to fame, which I feel is is more honorable than uh, his bit part in Rosemary's Baby. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, she's out there revolutionizing the perms of the 80s with this Wings product. And she, like a cult member, starred in the commercial and Will Allen shot the commercial (laughs) And the money from it went towards the cult. So that was a financial windfall for them. Yeah. I tried to find um, some footage of it to post with the show, but I was unable to. Yeah, that's a bummer. It really made me sad. Um, I love a good 80s commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, I put down that Andreas had a very 80s nose job. Or Michelle. Oh, yeah. Well, whatever his name was at this point. Right, the cult right. leader. Because in the early days of plastic surgery, it wasn't as um, delicate as it is now. And they used to just give everyone pretty much the same nose. Like anyone who went in for a nose job, you got the same nose. And it was like a little ski slope nose. And um, I had a teacher in junior high who was told us how she was in a dance troupe in the 80s. And OK, back up. I grew up in a mostly Jewish area. Yeah. So this woman was a Jewish woman and her dance troupe that she was in in college was all Jewish women and three of them got a nose job and she didn't because she's like, I don't want to get a nose job. And she said it always felt really weird because the three of them had the same exact nose and then she was this outlier, the one person who had a different nose yeah. Um, because they just, they, you know, no matter who you were, you got the same nose and and you can see like if you, uh, people of the correct age, you can tell, you can see their nose job really easily. Yeah. It's not like now, now you, you can't really tell if people have had one. Right. Right. Um, so that was, (laughs) that was notable. Yeah. Um, and he mostly wore a speedo and eyeliner. Yeah. He had, a look going on he was very fit um and i would say before this surgery was a pretty good looking guy oh yeah absolutely um he, he was gay should we should i wait to get into some of we, that you know we can talk about how he was gay because i uh i have some stuff about that coming up um so yeah which just kind of threw me for a loop only because most of these cults are driven by straight men with 
trying to fuck chicks trying to fuck chicks yeah um and so i was and this guy seemed i care i he seemed nice enough i don't want to get i don't like to give cult leaders too much credit by going he seemed charismatic but he seemed like more fun than most cult leaders only in the sense that he liked to dance and and uh, put on little plays and um have fun and everybody seemed to be having fun where it wasn't just this big orgy or at least that's what it seemed well like. yeah the beginning of it you're like i get it who wouldn't want to hang out with a bunch of good-looking people and there it always shows them like playing at the beach right. or like and you're just like yeah this is a bunch of attractive people hanging out trying to figure out life right like, what he's could in be better really good shape he's really built and not just like 80s built like you know because back then i mean if you look some at some of the older um like superstars from back then it's like i don't know burt reynolds or what those people who had like kind of normal well yeah because uh, oh, scott and i talked about this on a podcast like 10 years ago how uh over time i feel like the representation of um men and women like what the ideal is has become very comical it's like it is. There's like we're, we're now we now have extreme sports and now we have extreme genders where uh, especially I mean, I came of age in the early aughts. Yeah. And that was where women had giant fake boobs right. and like giant lips and, you know, high, high heels and a lot of hair extensions. And like it just was very much like and then men were supposed to be these like Jersey Shore gr- gorillas. Yeah, you said like, gorillas. Yeah. yeah, just ripped. And it's just like, man, when I was young, like what was considered like a masculine man or a feminine woman was much more natural. Right. Whereas if you put like a Chris Hemsworth or somebody like that in, in a movie back then, picture him as the lead in Deliverance. Yeah, like you could, you could because he wouldn't he almost wouldn't be viable right 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 um yeah it's very interesting and so well the the reason why this guy was so ripped is he would spend three hours in the gym every day and um two to three days a week he would do ballet and the other members he would teach ballet to them for three to five hours of ballet two to three times a week yeah so that's a lot that's a lot of physical activity no wonder they're all ripped it seemed like a lot of the cult was based around just doing this guy's hobbies with him things that he's good at and then so you can marvel at how good he is at those things yeah you know what i mean (laughs) Uh, yeah it was interesting um he would so they would put on these really elaborate plays and ballets with costumes and sets and stuff but they would do like a year's worth of rehearsal for one and then they would perform it once just for each other and then they would never do it again yeah it's very it's very odd but yeah that's kind of cool you know um i think uh at the heart of this cult there it could have been good if he kind of stuck to which is any cult. Well, yeah, if you're just hanging out, doing, working out, going swimming. Because I said uh, they showed a montage of all this all this dance, the ballet practice, and them, him teaching kind of dirty dancing style, dirty yeah. uh, dancing. And um, I wrote in my notes, lots of gay guys, they loved it. Yeah, they did. So it, it, it sounds initially like a good time. Yeah. Um, it, 
and beautiful women who probably felt more comfortable there too because it wasn't a super like um yeah a lot of heterosexual guys well and they weren't supposed to fuck so that was one of the rules was no sex and no relationships because sex has a negative effect on your spirituality did you know that yeah yeah i just figured that was my sexuality that was negative you have a negative sexuality (laughs) um yeah, it is so so yeah, it's almost like you have all these and someone did say in the documentary like how weird that this is such a vain group, right? right. Like it's very much about looks and fitness, but at the sense. same time we're not supposed to be attracted to each other and we're not supposed to act on that. Well, like any any true cult leader, I mean, that's at that point I was like, okay, this is going where I think it's going to go. It's, it's like nobody have sex, but I'm going to. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and the members did say like some of them would have secret affairs. Um, and if anyone got pregnant, he would encourage them to have an abortion. So in the entire history of this cult, which ha- is still ongoing, spoiler alert, there's never been a baby born into the cult because members are not supposed to fuck. And if they do get pregnant, he encourages them to go get an abortion. I get it. He doesn't want a bunch of kids around, you know. Well, and that's that's kind of where it does differ because most cults, they like having babies to right. like make more of them. You know what I mean? Right. And then plus the cult leader can then fuck um them when yeah. they're, uh, when, they're uh, how, when he deems them hot enough yeah oh yeah <laughs> old enough whatever um yeah it's it's very very weird um and so the one follower said he was told like um uh, michelle was like said oh your job because oh he went to michelle saying like i want to do service because they kept saying service is this thing that you're supposed to do service 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 mm-hmm. and he this guy said to michelle i want to do service what sh- what do i need to do and michelle said i you are to make fruit for me every morning yeah and so this guy would cut up and make these really gorgeous fruit platters like he would redo he had the talent for sure oh my god they, he, they showed pictures of it and it's just recreating famous paintings with yeah, fruit he did like um the last supper right didn't he do that i think so yeah and with using like i don't know mangoes and strawberries and it was wild it it, it was really good and it's not like this was this guy's passion either he was just like chosen to all right you get me fruit bring me fruit every day and then he just discovered that he could do this i guess well and he's because he said okay if my job is to get fruit for the master i'm going to do the best. I'm going to be the best at this. I mean, mission accomplished. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he said he one day saw another guy taking the, like the, he would deliver it to the master and leave the room. And another guy went in the room to talk to the master and left with the fruit and was just dumping it into a blender to make a smoothie. And he realized that he's doing this fruit every day for Michelle and Michelle's not even fucking eating it. He's just giving it away like garbage to the next person. Uh, and the guy said, but that didn't encourage me to stop doing it right. just because he wasn't eating it because I was on a mission. He told me this was my job. Yeah. I don't know. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. Um, they so they would the weird religious shit that they would do when they'd go out into the rainforest because it does it does get more weird than just being hot and doing a shit ton of ballet. 
Yeah. Um, they would go on these, and I don't know why I said rainforest. It's California. Yeah. <laughs> They'd go on these hikes in very humid looking <laughs> right, right. trails. And um, they would do these rituals. One of them was uh, called Shakti, which is a Sanskrit word, and it means power transference. And it's usually like a, a transference of power from the leader to the follower right. through his fingers. And so there was footage of him, you know, touching these people, and they're they're they look they're like passing out and stuff. Right, kind of similar to what you'd see in church. Right. The church I grew up in, yeah, where yeah. people get the spirit in them. It's just so fucking stupid. Yeah. I'm sorry, especially – well, maybe I'll I'll wait till you get to a certain part. But, yeah, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Um, yeah, and, and I think – what was his deal? He's telling people he has the secrets of the universe and he's going to unfold them, like reveal he, the truth progressively yeah, based on I, if I they think, earn them. Was it them? called The Knowing or The something? Knowing, yes. Yeah, so – which, I mean – that's such is that a little too on the nose <laughs> you know I just, yeah, the it knowing it's like did you just make that up right the fuck now mm-hmm. once you know the knowing you will know it. do you think that people do you think this guy believes his own bullshit um i'm always on the fence about cult leaders i i wonder how he got started with it i guess because we sort of this documentary starts from the one dude's journey into mm-hmm. this right so i wonder where michelle andreas whatever hi me yeah hi i couldn't me. i couldn't find how he started it just said in the 80s obviously like these things happen progressively and so he was like a yoga teacher and led meditation groups and it slowly it just snowballed evolved. from there yeah i think he probably thought he had something to give and um you know that's why he was trying to get into be an actor and mm-hmm. and do all of these other things and then just was charismatic enough got some people to do yoga with him and then it just snowballed from there and i bet he believed in what he was doing for a while and people were enjoying it but then once he saw how gullible people were then maybe he just decided to take advantage of the situation i don't know how you could can buy your own bullshit it seems like he, he he's reasonably intelligent maybe they like started as things snowballed he realized oh okay i can economize on this right. and i'm basing this from when i i used to go to a pilates studio every day and there was this one teacher there who was a she's a great pilates teacher um but the women in the class became kind of obsessed with her uh, because th- th- she was so wise. Yeah. And, wh- and basically she was a calm woman who knew a lot about the body and balance and shit. Yeah. And she, picture Holly Hunter, yeah. like a young Holly Hunter right, right, is right. who what this woman was like. But the, these women would like become obsessed with her and would say, oh, Kimberly's so wise and she, Kimberly yeah. just knows everything. Kimberly, you should write a book. Blah, I, blah, blah. And so like if Kimberly had... Sh- was maybe like Michelle, she could have been like, oh, right. I'm on to something. I think um, maybe one way he rationalized it is these people are all looking to me for answers and these people are looking for something in life. 
I can give that to them and this is a good thing that I'm doing. But then when they're keep they keep looking for answers and asking him questions, you know, maybe some things he genuinely thinks, you know, that this is the truth and he's telling them just whatever bullshit information. But some stuff he's just probably making it up on the fly because he doesn't want to like disappoint. I don't know how people rationalize this, but I bet it's kind of rooted in that where he thinks he's like really helping these people. Cause they do kind of come. Most people that go to cult are like kind They're of these lost. wounded puppy dogs. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, I'm providing this and that, but uh, it's the same thing with like sexual abusers. These um like long-term sexual abusers that have quote unquote sex cults like R. Kelly and William Control is they're they're preying on people who are vulnerable. And so they're able to have almost a savior complex and say, oh, like in R. Kelly's case, I clothed you. I gave you a place to live or whatever. And it's like or I gave you I gave your life meaning because you're sucking me off. Yeah. 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 Uh, It's just preying on the vulnerable. And I don't I don't like that. Right. Um, and so the interesting thing is Will said when um, Michelle decided to do something, he would do it every day for years on end. So he's a really obsessive type, which yeah. explains the ballet and the yeah. whatever. Um, and uh, so I wrote, we haven't even gotten into my list of bad things about the cult. <laughs> yeah, let's hear them. Okay, so at one point, um, Michelle tells Will he's supposed to die in a car accident. But if he obeys him, then he'll be okay. Right. Um, and we talked about the no sex, no relationships thing, no drugs, no alcohol. That's fine. That's where you kind of have me. I'm in. Like, I get to hang out with a bunch of hot people who don't, like, drink or smoke or whatever. Hey. Yeah, but no sex. Yeah, that's where I draw the yeah. line. Um, he said the orgasm of meditation is the greatest orgasm. So you don't need to have sex to have an orgasm because and, you're doing meditation. And you can only meditate with my penis in your mouth. Yes. <laughs> well, he told um, – so he kept one member uh, from seeing her dad before he died because basically her parents didn't want her in the cult. So what people do is – cult leaders do is they keep you away from – people who would tell you it's a cult right so he's like no don't see your dad he's against you he's whatever they play a haters man they're player haters um he uh made one woman get rid of her dog because she got it without his permission and he hated dogs um he would tell the gay guys that they shouldn't leave the cult because take in mind this is the 80s this is the 90s he would say don't leave the cult because you're gonna get aids like you're gonna go out there and without my guidance you're gonna start sucking and fucking and you're gonna get aids well no he didn't just say like you're gonna get aids he made it like like fact like he knows because he has the knowing you're going to get aids um Oh, I was going to say something else. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, do we really need to know more other than he hates dogs? I mean, Well, yeah, that's why thing, I added that. Yeah, I mean, that's the worst part, I think, that I've heard about him. <laughs> yeah, and also we should say, um, like, slowly over time, people are moving out of their homes into group housing. So they're all living together on a compound. Right. At some point, so in 1992, they moved to Texas and um he gets really paranoid after waco happens in 1993 because obviously it's a government standoff siege with a cult well weren't they kind of looking into his situation too yes because oh because 
this one dude wanted to date the Wings commercial model yeah. chick, and he wasn't allowed to. Andres was like, you are not allowed to fuck each other. You cannot date. And so this guy, that's what was what it took for him to realize this was a cult. Yeah. <laughs> and he contacted the Cult Awareness Network. <laughs> so they're on the FBI radar at this point. And they're in Texas. And so they see this thing happen with people in a similar situation. And it caused Andres to become really like tighter, more paranoid. Mm-hmm. Um, we can get into the juicy stuff now. All right. We're going to talk about how he was a porn star. Well, yes. Okay. Go ahead. So he would give people private therapy sessions. And he was a, they, he was a hypnotherapist. Um, and so he would tell them, you need to get this session, blah, blah, blah. But they had to pay for it. It was $50. And so he would come to you and say, you need a set, you're, you're due for a session. And he would do it for all the genders and say, you're due for a session. Give me $50. Right. But when he would do these private therapy hypnotism sessions with, uh, some of the men, he would... It would lead, he would basically lead them into having coerced sexual fantasies. Like he would be like, you want to fuck a dude, right? And they'd be like, no. And he'd be like, you do. That's what you want. Listen, it's in your it's soul. Right. Blah, blah, blah. And then he would coerce them into having sex with him and be like, you could find you, you that you want to have you want to get fucked in the ass. Let me do it. <laughs> Yeah. And so he's basically and some of the guys were gay. Some of the guys were straight, but none of them wanted to fuck him. And so, so a lot of them said, I saw him as a father figure. I didn't I wasn't interested in him like that. So at this point, he's looking creepier because he's had a lot of surgery. Right. Oh, yeah. And because he, he was he's obsessed with looks. He's very vain. And he would have members get plastic surgeries to test them out before yeah, he decided to get that. them and he they would have to pay for them he'd right. be like you should really try out these new cheek implants that they're doing to you know have that member come back and I see how they looked on sure him sure they look horrible and then i'm gonna do them on myself yeah that's the thing his looked horrible you'd think if he was having other people test them out well, maybe he wouldn't go get them well he ultimately didn't get the cheek implants apparently okay, he had but... someone do cheek implants someone do chin implants we know that he had a lot of silicone injections right. and his doctor would say you're good and he would say no 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 i need more 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 and the doctor's like you don't need any more and he would say here's money that i got <laughs> from doing therapy sessions right. and so the doctor would give in because a check is a check but he looks grotesque and and someone was like yeah he would just look crazy and he'd wear fake eyelashes and we'd go swimming and like his eyelash would be on his cheek and like and nobody wants to tell him because it's like emperor's clothes yeah you know? like we can't tell him that you know dude your eyeliner's running yeah um it, it was just a mess so yeah he's he's this weird creepy plastic faced man and he's coercing his members into having sex and with paying him for it like the one guy who is talking about it he's like yes yeah, so i go in for therapy it's like yeah fucking thanks a lot for the therapy you know and then yeah. i have to pay him 50 bucks yeah yeah to get fucked to get fucked it's it's really fucked up but they weren't supposed to talk about it so all, all of right. them thought they were the only person this was happening to um which again like that's control it's control right 
By the way, warning sign, if someone tells you that you shouldn't talk about something, it's a sign that what it is is wrong. Right. Yeah, that's rule 101. And what else is so what I was talking about before, but I didn't want to like, you know, get ahead of myself was when they're doing the transference Shakti stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, that's bullshit, right? And then and then for sure it is cuz I mean it's obviously bullshit but but then once everyone starts to wise up to this dude and he like is doing it nobody's feeling anything yeah because it's because it's psychosomatic induced and so they're saying that they're like yeah i used to get these crazy highs because they when they were fully buying into the call it it was doing that and that's the way they say that like tent revivals what what's happening is mass hypnotism that's why you're feeling these things and experiencing these things is you're you're hypnotized but as they started to kind of see the cracks in the foundation when he would shock to them they wouldn't feel anything so it's just like i i hate to like judge people that do it but god damn what the fuck yeah like to me i get maybe even going there you know and being like all right this is a cool thing that's a bunch of like-minded people whatever but the second i see anything like that I just, I don't know. I just, I guess I, the only thing I have to compare it to is when I've been with my friends to church Mm -hmm. and I can take, I can cherry pick things that I like from it. And then some things where I'm like, this is stupid. You know, like I just always within myself know, like I was at one church where, um, you know, everybody's up and singing along to, and I'm just like, this is horrible for me you know like i don't well yeah but we're dealing with people who have a different psyche than you do and then at at the point where they've been brought in they've been um brainwashed by this group think and they've already given up their families their jobs they've moved when you're in that deep it's harder to acknowledge cracks in the foundation yeah. it's the gambler's fallacy right I've, i'm already this far in yeah. i can't give up now and and it, it's what people do in uh, abusive relationships is it's like well you know especially if they're married like we're married we have kids we have a house we have whatever and like yeah like once a month he beats the shit out of me but like can i really like how about you convince your mind just to pretend that isn't happening i guess it's just like i feel bad for all these people you know and and uh, a a lot of them are like i i have conflicting feelings about it because i don't regret it because a lot of it was graves some of the best years of my life but also i wasted you know some of these people were in there for like decades right well yeah and some said when they got out they dealt with a lot of issues because basically they hadn't matured in 20 they lost 22 years of their life and they're also emptied out like because with the brainwashing and mind control they've been you know you get hollowed out and you get filled up with that person and you take that person away and you're just a shell of yourself there's a lot of rebuilding that goes right plus they they weren't functioning in a society the way other people were so that's just like probably a bit of an adjustment for them too and but- imagine being in your 40s some of them have never dated their whole life and they're in their 40s and they you've never dated right i i guess what I'm saying is, 
how much of it is their responsibility though to like come on you know well they each had their own awakening but he controlled the information so so he's he's hiding the fact that he's raping people they don't know about that and so they think oh this is a this guy is my guiding force in my life and everything in my life is because of this guy my friends the roof over but my right head right off of the bat he's doing the shakti crap and then he's all, so that's right away but then also he's telling you to not talk to your family and shit that's also like right away i don't know but i try i it, try not to judge just because I, 10 10 years ago, I would have said, I'll never be in an abusive relationship. Right. I will never let another human being abuse me. I will never let a man abuse me. And then somehow I ended up in that situation for four years of my life. And it it's weird because I think back to that time in my life and it, I was not myself. Right. It was like my whoever I was had been gutted and I had been replaced by this toxic situation and so i because of that experience you know now i have very firm boundaries and if anybody comes at me with any bullshit i tried i'm i'm like a cut and run person i don't give a fuck like i will i will ditch out of the most intense friendship whatever situation if i see signs of trouble but like 10 years ago that wasn't who I was. And so somehow I found myself being abused and manipulated. I tried to charge you to have sex with me, but you weren't having it. I Whatever you're offering is not worth paying. for. <laughs> and I'm not saying that as an insult because also what I have to offer is not worth paying for. Um, <laughs> Like I know what I'm bringing to the table and I'm, I'm comfortable with it, but it's not, it's not worth it doesn't have a monetary value and so likewise okay, most sex is not should not be paid for no, but anyway like yeah you're right you know i guess i don't i, I don't know that was an, in an abusive relationship but yeah i've been in you found yourself in situations that when you when you get past them and they're in the rearview mirror you go what, what the, the fuck? fuck was i thinking i guess it's just like they they should maybe bear some of the responsibility oh, to yeah. like but also you know this is a long time ago when maybe the awareness wasn't what it is now there, uh, after scientology people are like okay <laughs> yeah there wasn't as much cult awareness there was you couldn't google things you couldn't get on reddit boards like it just wasn't this like dialogue and so say all of your friends are in this cult you don't have as much exposure to normal people. So, and one of the other reasons I bring I bring this up is because, like, right away I made a mental note of, like, oh, people can just leave. Like, you know, that's another difference from some oh, other cults. Like, uh-huh. like, um, yeah, like the Jim, or, uh, what was that, the Jim Jones one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He that would, was out in the middle of fucking nowhere for mm-hmm. a re, by design. Um, this one, not so much. You were free, I, I believe, to just leave at any time you wanted, and some people did. But. I think, yeah. The the one of the reasons they had a hard time is they uh, said in the documentary, uh, I didn't have a checking account, I didn't have money, I didn't have like I didn't 
I didn't have a phone, a checking account. I alienated myself from my family. I didn't know who to turn to because mm-hmm. basically at that point, the cost of leaving is, okay, I need to go stay in a shelter. Yeah. And so that can be really scary. And again, another reason why women will stay with an abuser because the uh, the concept of going to total strangers with nothing. It's the devil you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, so that I think that kept them in is you know the money and stuff but also he kept them in a soft cage by saying well if you leave you're gonna die if you leave you're gonna get aids and they believed him yeah which is wild right Uh, at some point they moved to hawaii um sometime after waco like yeah uh and it this is a weird time because michelle or andreas he left them for six months to scout for a new location. So they all were hanging out without his influence. And I think this was a time that maybe helped like uh, scatter some some doubt, uh, doubt seeds of doubt. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they end up in Hawaii. I don't have what year I tried to find it. Um, Will Allen left the group in 2007, but sometime I think it was around 2002, 2003, Someone left the group and sent an email out saying he's been fucking me, blah, blah, blah. He's not who he says he is, yada, yada, yada. And some members believed it. Others who he was also fucking denied it, which shows the level of mind control that Mm -hmm. like you're being raped by this dude and other someone else says this dude's a rapist. And you're like, no, he's not. Yeah, because he's a god. I want to protect, which is what those um little boys did with Michael Jackson. I was just thinking that they want to yeah. protect their f- their friend. And then people have the nerve to be like, they fucking denied it before, and you're like, yeah, you mean when they were eight or yeah. whatever and got called into court and yeah. When I was being abused and I was not a child, I was a grown adult woman when other people would try to say negative things about my abuser to me, I was his number one defender, you Uh know, and it's just like, he doesn't do that. He's not like that. You don't know him. There's a reason for why he's, you know, and like I was the most staunch defender of the person who was abusing me. And so like, I get it. It's it's not good. It's fucked up. Um, but I understand it. Um, and so, yeah, that led to most of the people who were in this documentary left around the time of that letter. That's what really, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll have to watch Waco. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Uh, has some great actors in it. Um, what's his name? Uh Oh, yeah, that one guy from True Detective Season 2. Yeah, Tim Riggins from Friday Night Lights. And, oh, that's going to kill me because I fucking... Taylor Kitsch. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fucking great actor. Um, He plays... uh, Yeah, who's his face in Waco? Um, And some other great people. Really good show. Um, And then also Wild Wild Country, though, Mm -hmm. which is what this reminded me more of. Wild Wild Country is... It goes way deeper and it's it, it, some different directions mm-hmm. than this it has a lot of the same beats where you have this guru whatever um 
and then uh, it just kind of fucking goes off the rails, though. It's, so that's like a four-part series or yeah, something, or I've, six, I forget. I know most of that story. Can I tell you something about Waco that's really fucked up? Sure. So um, I haven't seen the show Waco yet, uh-huh. um, and I don't go out of my way to watch things about Waco because – so I was raised super churchy and super mm. religious. And um, when I was younger, I, I think I've talked about how I, there was a lot of prepping for uh, revelations and the apocalypse and how mm. are you going to stand up and defend Christ against the um, Satanists, whatever, whatever. Like that's the psychology in my household growing up. And um, when Waco happened, um my family was like, this is what the government does to devout Christians. Like, this is a sign of the of revelations coming true. And this is people persecuting Christians and people who stand with God. Uh-huh. And this can happen to us because we're believers. And there were um, more than one, like, VHS documentary kind of defending the Koresh's. And um, one movie like that painted them, the Branch Davidians in a good light and that we like mail ordered through a church catalog that Uh like we watched at home, like these things being like, you need to be prepared because your government can do this to you because you're a believer. Like, isn't that insane that I was raised like that? That is insane. Um, It is pretty crazy, though, kind of what happened there uh i i'm forgetting some details it did it definitely got out of control but like that dude was fucking children right see again that's where it's but but to the government they didn't know kind of a lot and they they were just like i forget if they went in they're like you have drugs and guns and stuff right and they didn't and then they still were like kind of like surreptitiously sort of um they just kind of forced their way in. He was up to no good. They knew it. Yeah. You know, it's like it's sort of like if, if somebody's dealing drugs, you can't find it on them. But it's like, but you oh, come know. on, yeah. you know. But um, but it, the the show's interesting because it does it doesn't clearly paint him one way or the other. It kind of you kind of see how he was charismatic and how he really believed like. We're just trying to live peacefully here. And what are they doing? You know, so part of you almost feels for him. Like, you're like, fuck the man, dude. You know? I will dig him up and fucking set his bones on fire. He fucked children. Right. I'm just saying, like, in parts of this, yeah, you know. They, it, it makes him an empathetic And character. they don't really go over that too much. It, it, they focus more on um, one of the characters who actually the the documentary was a it was based on somebody who was in it a book they had written and then somebody else i think wrote a book who was um someone from the government who had had busted in or whatever so it's a combination of those two books so you get a good yeah. view of both sides but it, so that guy he was the the one who was one of the davidians he had a wife that that uh, David Koresh was like he was f- having sex with and, yeah. and uh, she was having his children and stuff. So, yeah, he was fucking everybody. They focus more on that and not like kids. 
Yeah. So I just it's one of those things like I'll watch it because I've heard it's a very, very good series. I think I I, but I I have historically avoided things about Waco because it reminds me of that time in my childhood. And it's weird because I am I don't have a lot of childhood memories. I think a lot of it's like blacked out. And then every so often, like something will trigger one of them. Right. And I'll be like. And I'll, I'll, I'll remember a facet of my childhood and then be like, that was fucking nuts. Dude, religious is, religion is the scariest, crazy thing, basically, right? It's, I mean, well, yeah, it's weird. And it's just like these things that I was told and these things to be afraid of. It's it, like it reads like a fantasy novel. Yeah. Like I, it's it's like th- th- that's not reality. And the fact that my parents who were grown adults believed it and felt the need to teach those things to their children is insane. Yeah. I, that's one thing I, I guess I take for granted is that my parents were both um, agnostic at the very least. Mm-hmm. I think they were actually atheist, but didn't want to like you know raise a child and go there is no god honey but i started asking questions when i was around 12 Mm -hmm. like and you know was feeling rebellious and so i was like yeah there's no god right there's a bunch of bullshit and they're like well (laughs) you know uh my mom i I remember saying well i'm gonna have to see him to believe yeah and my dad just kind of was tight-lipped about it i i think they were careful that just i think they just wanted to let me figure things out on my own hey that's a good way to uh parent and to this day i think i'm still just agnostic and i'm like i don't know what happens after i die and neither does anybody else for a fact fucking nobody else knows so i'll just leave it at that and uh you know worms man worms so um i'll wrap up this case with this fucking idiot um we got to talk about the porn Oh, oh, so he did do porn and it was leaked with the email and we saw some of the porn. And I'm trying to remember. I know there was something wild happening. Do you remember? He's like, he's doing a, like a push up kind of position. And I think his legs are up on something too. And he's just fucking this dude's face. (laughs) And it just looked super fast motion, you know, you just see him kind of doing this, uh, yeah, that's right. Because he's so athletic and yeah, he's doing all these acrobatic positions and uh, just fucking and just, just fucking faces uh, that are blurred out, you know. So it's we were spared that at least, uh, yeah. but you could see what's what's going on, obviously. And uh, so they're like, oh yeah. So in addition to Rosemary's Baby, uh, <laughs> he also did these films. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because he had not disclosed that to his followers, obviously, because he was this. He wanted to be taken seriously. He was this yeah. ethereal, spiritual being who was against sex. Uh, he never sex was below him. Yeah. Yeah. Next, but you know, he's fucking railing people doing a handstand. Yeah. Um. So the group is still active in Hawaii. Like he told the people in the states when everything fell apart, like, "I'm retiring. I'm going to Hawaii." Mm-hmm. I'm done, but they caught wind that he was still active. And in the documentary, we see someone confront him on a beach and he's there with all his followers and it looks like nothing's changed. And he's like, oh, no, these are just friends. We're just hanging out. And he's playing real coy. Yeah, because he can see, I think, that the guy has a camera on him. Yeah, right. he's and he doesn't want to admit anything. Um, but uh, he apparently it's a big deal in Hawaii right now. He lives on Honolulu. 
and um, allegedly recruits through this um, yoga studio called Aloha Yoga Studio. And it's really it's a really popular yoga place because it was named Best Yoga Studio by Honolulu Magazine. Um, and, of course, they deny claims that they recruit through this studio. Right. But there's issues, like, with people locally, like, at war with each other. This one yoga teacher who left the cult and speaks out against them like he claims that they sent some mr clean looking motherfucker that's in quotes to his door to threaten to kill him like there's like commute and when this movie screened in hawaii there was just up there's issues in the audience and so now because it is a deal because people do know about him and he has active followers and people who are actively fighting against him when he goes out in public he wears a surgical mask and he uses a cane as a disguise around town just like john mcafee yeah the old Uh, man disguise he's back yep um yeah that's uh an episode maybe worth listening to with you on the bored and sober podcast oh, yeah check out uh gringo on the bored and sober and uh on netflix also if you're into this sort of stuff that's um that's sort of cult the that guy's just a fucking lunatic he's a fucking crazy person who's just paying people to kind of be a part of it protect him and do this and that i don't want to give too much away but i'm just yeah. hey there's hammocks involved and i'm not going to say any more but there's a real special part that involves hammocks yeah um and a sex act i gotta spice it up a little spice it up a little sex act and a hammock um yeah it's it's weird that this is still happening and that i mean eventually he's gonna die he's old as fuck now but then maybe another member of the group will try to rise up and take his position like what happened in scientology right yeah it's great that's scary to to think that it's still going on because a lot of what i'm thinking in the the documentary is just like oh this is crazy 80s cult you know uh with all these these lost people that thankfully got out of it but no yeah because at the end of the documentary they kind of show uh they show a bunch of people that are in this music video and it'll say like left in 2014 or left or still there um and it's yeah it's just insane oh and i do want to say so vanity fair did a a brief article about this and they published these photographs that will allen had done in 1997 of michael slash andres and they're really good so this will allen is a very talented artist um he he taught himself photoshop like in the 90s to do these artistic portraits of Michelle and uh so and he put together this this good documentary yeah and he put yes so Um, good for Will Allen yeah yeah and good for him getting out of that and anybody else that got out of it and if you're still in it um get out yeah don't give up um all right. Well, yeah, is that it? That's it. I have to go get a sandwich at Subway because this Gotta has been depressing. Gotta see a man about a foot long. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone have a happy hump day. Yeah. <laughs>